This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to Reimagine Law. Well, this time last year, we released our Skills Kit series. Some of you may remember, and for those of you that are new listeners, this was something where we tried to break down in some bite-sized episodes on Reimagine Law, some specific skills and give you all some tips and ideas. So let's just revisit three of those topics here. Well, one of those was innovation and risk-taking, an absolutely critical need for all of you now, and all of us as we build our careers, is actually how do we help our organizations evolve and change? And actually the fact that we need to have a little bit of a risk appetite, because otherwise nothing is going to change. We're not going to innovate. We're not going to be able to deliver on all the clients' needs and the customers' needs that we have. Linked to that, we also did the related topic of how do you boost your creativity? So having looked at innovation and risk-taking, just some ideas there of what mindsets and what approaches can we take to boost creativity? And a third area would be collaboration, which we also dedicated one of the Skills Kit series to. In my experience, certainly my career, I've always found innovation and being creative very much a team sport, as you might say. It's so much better to do that with other people, to get different points of view. So again, those approaches to collaboration we discussed in that episode might really help you in this whole area. So boosting your creativity, thinking about techniques for innovation, how much risk should you take, and do it collaboratively. So here's three episodes to help you think about that. So Fran, now we're going to move on to this topic of innovation and risk-taking. Very broad topic, and you can look at this in so many different ways. I mean, where does your mind go, first of all? Well, I would initially, years ago, have thought of this as being the eureka moment. Aha, the mad scientist in a room creating something. And I've got to say, as my career's gone on, I've come to learn of it much more as a subtle process that happens over time. It's not loud. It's not showy. It's about process improvement um, and actually incorporates quite a lot of what we've talked about in this skill series already uh, in terms of collaborative working drives diversity of thought. I think that's a great place to start. And actually, you hinted at something there, Fran, where you said about almost about that idea of inching forward with something as an idea is just as good as innovation. It's interesting when you speak to innovators, they often talk about three different types of innovation. They talk about incremental innovation, which is what you were hinting at there. There's what they call breakthrough innovation, which might be at the level of, I don't know, a whole moving into a market or something. And then they talk about transformational, you know, almost innovation, almost like a world scale level. But I think you're absolutely right. And what I find very interesting, and I'm just going to bring in a sporting example here. You hear so often these people, whether they're people doing, I don't know, cycling or rowing or rugby or football, whatever sport they're talking about. What they often say is, do you know what made the biggest difference was making a tiny change in how we did something. And it made it, I mean, I know some things like in cycling or some of that, you know, of course, a small, a frat or in athletics, a few, you know, a fraction of a second of course, which could be how you literally, how you go out the blocks or something like that. And just, you know, angling the blocks in a different direction or something can make an enormous difference. So, and it's interesting, I think, you know, with, we're talking about the legal sector or we're you know sitting in the school of law when i remember when i used to be in the law firms we often used to talk about asking your clients what would make the biggest difference and it might be almost how they receive a piece of paper or actually if you could change something that made the process easier at their end as you say which might be very much a process driven change it's not actually 
as you say, the eureka moment or something like that. So I think law firms have had to think about this. It's, so I think asking almost the recipient, actually what works from their point of view, if you had to, if you could change something, you know, asking them the question, if you could change something about the way we work together or about the way we did that project for the next time we do it, what would you change? You know, and it might be a tiny thing or it might be an enormous thing. Absolutely. And Nigel, this fits directly into something, um, you know, with that legal design mindset. It's a very buzzword. Mm. We hear about it. Alistair might not necessarily be aware of what it is, but in essence, it's about taking that user, that recipient um, and how they are receiving something and designing accordingly and keeping it simple and adapting it. And that can be the, the innovative part of things. I think that's right. And you said about keeping it simple there. Again, if when law firms talk to their clients or their customers, what's the one thing they say? They say, oh, please just save me the time. And I'll give you an example. You know, one thing we did, you know, is this innovation? I don't know. But encouraging the lawyers and the, the client actually said this to us once. They said, do you know what would really help me enormously? Could you please just write something to me so that I can then just flick it on to my own internal people at my end in a format? So if you can draft it in a way or have a little note at the top and then say, draft something below that I can just flick onto my person. That was a, for them, that was, you know, they, okay, it's a tiny bit of innovation in that, in the grand scheme of things. But Absolutely. Um, I mean, what is um, the value additive that you're giving to something? I think that's what you've really got to think about mm. here. Um, and it can be quite small. And that innovation can be, as you say, in an incremental step. Um, I often think about um, an example that's often used in legal design about contracts, you know, how many of oh, us yeah. don't ever read contracts, how many of us click that <laughs> little box, you know, um, and move on. And the idea that, you know, sometimes in legal design, people might think of a visual diagram, perhaps, that has a contract that doesn't use jargon, that's simple, like that is hugely innovative and forward thinking, yeah. but it's not complicated. No, it's not. And uh, you've just reminded me, Fran, of something else. Rather than go to meetings and sometimes, as you say, have a big document to go through. The, the visual example, I remember someone just said, oh, we'll go actually to a, a pitch meeting. So what does that mean? That means sometimes where you go and you're trying to win another bit of business or something. And instead of having like a set of slides or something for a presentation, they said they produced what they called a table map which was actually almost having this big a thing on A3, which they laminated. So actually you could write on it with like a, like a Sharpie as well, you know, with those pens that you can write on plastic with. And they wrote on that and they said, that was just a different way of doing a presentation. But it was lovely because actually then the person on the other side could actually, you could give them a pen and they could actually join in as well. And they said it ended up being a lovely kind of collaborative conversation, but it was very innovative again. So how could you do a different, you know, perhaps those of you listening, if you've been asked to do a project or a presentation, what different ways could you actually do that presentation as well? There are 10 or 15 different ways you could think about that. And how can you take a risk by doing it? You know, get out of ah, your comfort yeah. zone. Um, I remember going to a meeting and I'd been asked to do a written report and everyone else does, you know, pages in a, in a document. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you know what? I'll do a slide with, with you know, pictures on and things. Um, I'd, I mean, nobody really received it particularly well or badly. And I thought, well, I haven't read my audience there. I must take it back. But it was absolutely right that I did um, something that was a slight risk to go in, in, into that. And actually, you know, I think it was a bit more straightforward and simple and, and probably more easy to digest for some people. Well, that's the other thing, Fran. I mean, the thing that that makes me think of is that point that we all have different learning styles or different ways of taking in information. So you never know with your audience whether they'll be, you know, have this style of, you know, whether they're more auditory, as it said, where they like listening 
I actually need to see, I'm very visual. So I like pictures going back to some of the things we've been talking about. So actually innovating can help you help you connect with the person you're trying to communicate with. Yeah. And, you know, I do want to make the point, Nigel, that people that go out to purposefully be innovative often aren't. It's an organic thing <laughs> yeah. that comes from many of the other skills and attributes that we've been talking about, you know, that yeah. customer centric approach that then organically um, grows innovative ideas rather than, you know, have wanting to have the eureka moment and, and going off and doing it. Um, I was thinking in particular about a, a TED Talks book that I read about how uh, there's a particular chapter that says, you know, people that want that big TED Talks moment often miss the point. It's got to organically yeah. come. And I, and I feel a bit like that with, with innovation. And also, Fran, I think you've mentioned it a few minutes ago, not just from you as well. So this goes back to those we've talked about in some other episodes about collaboration and all those types of things. I remember I was at a conference once and someone in the audience, um, and it was actually about innovation and how organisations innovate. And the person said, uh, so how do you think this works? And he gave a little talk. And in the question and answer, once someone put their hand up in the audience and said, well, I think what you said is true. However, in my experience of working for many years, I think you'll find that 95% of innovation comes from listening to your customers. In other words, it's the very practical solutions that actually you get by hearing other points of view as well. Yeah, really, really interesting. And links, of course, um, to everything we've been saying on relationship building in the other skills episode here. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I think we've come up with some key takeaways here about innovative approaches. Um, Thanks so much for listening to this episode and we hope that you enjoyed it. Today we're talking about the skill of collaboration. I'm delighted to be joined by Simon from the Reimagine Law team to talk us through this topic. Simon, should we start off by thinking, actually, what do we mean by this? Yeah, thanks, Nigel. I think that's such a good question. What is collaboration? The way I kind of look at it is good collaboration is one plus one equals three. Um, you know, and, and, and so that is always a really good start point. And it's this, it's this idea of um, you don't have to have all the answers, but actually working with and, and uh, yeah, working with others helps you get all the answers. I remember someone telling me once, all the answers you ever need are in the room. You just need to ask. Um, and I think that for me is, is, is a really important mindset to take. And just having that mindset will, will, will facilitate and, and, and bring about collaboration. And it's not a weakness to ask people for help or, in fact, arguably it's a strength you know, to, to, to even if you think you've got a good idea, just to kind of bounce it off others, see what others think, um, that I think you really start to see the benefits of, of, of collaboration. So I guess that's what uh, I, I'm thinking, Nigel, is, is, is what good collaboration is all about. I think that's right. I mean, I think in my experience of many years of working on different types of projects, you know, some of which we've discussed in the past, Simon, I think that whole thought of, and I'll go to your word of mindset, having a mindset and and telling yourself I will get a better outcome by actually as you say getting all the thoughts from the room or asking my friends or asking colleagues or asking my family whoever those people could be to give you that that different point of view and uh and actually getting ideas from different experiences because we often say that you know the, the power of collaboration you know when you think about what makes up a great team the fact that you're different and so actually getting that difference that that's the power of collaboration for me you get a better outcome you know, I've seen that so often. So, so yeah, that, that, that's where I start as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's great, isn't it? And that, that's such an important point is, is, is go to different types of people who've had different experiences 
that's how you get a much richer, broader, better outcome, rather than just going to either all the same people at the same time, or people just like you, who tend to think how you think and have the same views as you. So, so I think deliberately going out of your immediate circle of, of, of people who you always ask for help, support, insight, feedback, I, I think is, um, is really great. And I think the other thing to remember about collaboration is that um, on the whole, we're not solitary creatures, um, you know, and so actually it gives us, you know, that opportunity to interact with other people and, and, and that makes things kind of more fun. And it's also, I guess, where the concept of brainstorming comes from. You know, one idea generates a, a better idea or another thought or another way of looking at it. And that's, again, to come back to your point, Nice, about, you know, getting really great outcomes by involving other people. You know, one idea generates a better one. And, and that probably wouldn't have happened if you did it on your own. It, 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 so it's that ability to get that outcome. I've got a fun little exercise for people now, Simon, they could do on that point of brainstorming. Someone once told me or told me or I, I did this exercise once in a session where they um, they said, yes, what you need to do is have more yes and conversations and not have so many yes, but conversations. And if, just so everyone listening, try that with a, a bit of fun with around the dinner table tonight, perhaps, uh, you know, when someone comes up with something, say, oh, yes, and we could do this, and we could do this. And it's it's great fun, but also that's a lovely way of collaborating to generate energy in a conversation. I, I think that's so right, because it forces people, doesn't it, to kind of add to it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and how can you do more? Because but can be a, <laughs> but is a blocker, I think. It's, you know, I, I really agree with you, but. <laughs> what you're basically saying, no, I don't. I don't really. Well, it was a rubbish, yeah, that yeah, was a rubbish thing to say. So I think that and as opposed to but I think is a really, um, uh, you know, it, it's a really um, a great one. Um, and I think the other thing that it's, it's always used to, to, one of the challenges I think with, with um, uh, particularly when you're kind of going through a job hunting process or for example, you know, and you're being asked to talk about certain skills that, that you've got, you know, thinking about times when you've collaborated before so, so I think, you know, any kind of environment where you've worked as part of a team, you know, that, that will be collaborating. But again, it's thinking about how the relationships worked and the benefit mm. that, that you got as a result of that, um, uh, of that collaboration. So that's definitely something to think about. Or, as I say, an idea you came up with and you were chatting it through with someone else and it ended up being a bit of a different approach. Or uh, I, I think it's another example of... of, of uh, uh, of, of collaboration you know what should we do tonight well you could ask yourself that question and then it would lead to an answer or you could turn around and go you ask someone literally what should we do tonight and what about this and you go oh what, what about that oh and what about that again and not but oh and what about that and then suddenly you've got this really great thing to do that you're really excited about but that has come about as a result of you know you you engaging with other people and and uh, and, and collaborating and I think one of the things you've hinted at there, Simon, that I think people who are great at collaboration are really good at is be flexible, be open to actually those different ideas as well when you hear them, whether it's planning a holiday or, you know, somewhere you're thinking of traveling, you know, you say, well, we could do that or we could do this, you know, give people options as well. I think when I've been trying to, perhaps when I don't know people very well and I'm trying to build up that sort of kind of collaborative relationship, I've just tried to give them say well what about this or what about that you know try and kind of connect with them in some way by, by being a little bit flexible and open yeah i think that's that's a really great point because again that usually leads to a better outcome yeah 
and also I think it just helps us kind of as individuals kind of open our minds up to stuff more and and, and again come back to I guess what you talked about at the beginning now which is this mindset piece it's a bit of a tangent but I think it really makes a good point when, when people you hear people talk about oh I'm a self-made man I'm a self-made woman whatever. no one is self-made nobody you know they weren't a hermit uh, you know they'll have done this in you know other people will have worked and supported with them and and they'll have collaborated on stuff and they'll have bounced ideas off and all that kind of stuff all the best ideas all the best uh, innovations all the best businesses all the best um you know education that we have all those kinds of things come about through collaborating and working with others yeah and just think about, you know, think about whether, you know, there's a teacher you've collaborated with on a project you've done at school or you're at college and you're you're trying something for the first time. You know, there'll be people, you know, they've introduced you to, you know, the number of ways that can collaborators can help you get a better outcome, as we've said. I think it's really, really key. So yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That, that, that almost kind of feels like a good place to, to wrap it up really nicely. Mm. Is, I think is, you know, collaboration is easy. Yeah. You know, it's not hard to do. You just need to ask. Mm. um use the word and <laughs> yes and uh and know that by doing those things you will get better outcomes whatever it is that, that thing is that you are uh tackling approaching looking at you will get better outcomes by collaborating with other people yeah fantastic thanks very much Simon. that's been good to good to go through that and uh yeah we've hope, hope we've given everyone some tips there on how you can get better outcomes through great collaboration So, Nigel, I've just listened back to our last skills episode on collaboration. Um, and I think a nice follow on from that is, is uh, the skill around creativity. Um, obviously, a key skill, really far more important than it ever has been in today's world. Um, all sorts of industries are looking at how they can um, become much more innovative, much more creative and, and therefore hire creative thinkers um, in order to you know, drive company performance, to create that competitive edge, to think of new ideas um, for the business. Um, but what does what does it really mean, creativity, do you think? I think it's interesting. I think for me, Kerry, my mind goes to a few different things. One thing is breadth of perspectives or almost, you know, if you're listening to this and say you're at school or you're at college, how many different types of things do you read or listen to, for example, on the news? You know, are you, are you listening to something that, you know, different types of journals or different types of uh, your favourite news people on, on your podcast or, or, or things? Or, you know, so where are you getting your different bits of information? Kerry, just thinking, for example, of one person that I think you and I both, both worked with, actually. And that person said, creativity is often from putting together different bits of information that are quite different. And I just thought that was a really interesting way of thinking about it. And I suppose that takes me also, Kerry, to the thought of breadth of network, breadth of people you speak to, and, and all of those types of things. And so that's where my mind goes, Kerry, anyway. No, absolutely. No, I think that's absolutely right. And it's, it's, that's why I think there's that link with the collaboration, isn't it? And that different perspectives um, can create in itself new ideas and getting people together to generate those new ideas. And to Simon's point in the collaboration episode, um, around the yes and piece is is, is key because that just helps drive more and more thoughts. It's, it's, it's open-mindedness, it's exploration. Um, anything's possible. Uh, not having any kind of assumptions uh, behind it that can uh, stop a direction of travel um, and, and therefore having that open mind, I think, is, is really, really key. Um, and I think creating a bit of um, 
time and space to be able to think creatively is important. You know, we all work really hard, whether you're studying, whether you're at work, whether you're juggling lots of different priorities, um, but taking time to, to reflect in order to open your mind, whether it's yourself as an individual or as, a, as part of a group is key as well, isn't it? To, to, to drive in those new ideas. Gary, I think that's a really good point because there's all that neuroscience research that you and I sometimes discuss where they say that you'll be most creative when your mind is quite quiet. And when you actually you have, to, as, you said, as you just said, you know, when you have time to think. And often it, it was funny because after a few years, I thought, why is it I always think of some ideas that might be quite useful in the end when I'm just wandering home from the train station in something that's very routine. I know the road backwards. I know what I'm doing. I'm not even thinking about where I'm going. And suddenly I think, oh, actually, do you know what? That might be a good idea to try tomorrow. And, and I think that whole thought of getting your mind quiet. So all of you listening, just have a think about where can I get some quiet time? How best do you think? How best do you explore? How about, you know, some people will do that best. Perhaps some extroverts, Kerry, will do it best by chatting it through with someone and bouncing ideas, some of your yes and conversations. But, but yeah, how do, you, how do you best think as well and come up with them? Yeah, and have fun with it as well. And have fun, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that that's quite key, you know, just being open to experimenting um, and thinking of it's almost like the art of the, the ridiculous. Uh, what if, what if we could do that? What would that mean? Where would that take us? Um, uh, I think that's, that's really fun to do and, and, and can spark lots of ideas and being respectful as well, because I think there's, there's a big part of creativity, which again links to collaboration, um, being respectful of other people's perspectives um, and, and their standpoints. Uh, and, and accepting that everybody, you know, will come to it and look at things through different lenses. And so when you're giving examples, if you are, you know, going through an interview process and giving trying to think of examples of when you've been creative, bringing those kind of examples around when you've worked with somebody and you think, actually, I don't really, I don't really see the world through your eyes. This doesn't quite, I don't, I don't think I actually quite agree with you. However, I'm going to listen and I'm going to open my mind to what you're saying and accept that you have a different perspective and see where it leads us. Let's, let's keep that conversation going. Do you know, Kerry, that's, that, that really triggered the thought that one of the people I really used to value, who I interacted with for a number of years on a project, we very rarely saw things from the same point of view. And actually, I would never class them as perhaps even someone I would certainly probably not call a friend after that. But boy, did they challenge me in my thinking. And, and I'm sure we got to a better outcome or a more creative outcome because they came at it at such a different angle. It was so funny. Yeah, and I'm sure people that are listening, have, you know, we all we all come across different people in, in our lives. So those kind of examples when you've had to work with somebody that maybe, yeah, has a different perspective and, and how you've managed that, how you've, how you've helped generate new ideas through that, I think is, is, is really important. And seeing how far it can go as well um i i i quite like the that sort of phrase of um, having you know having staying power because if you generate an idea and and then put it to bed that's it's almost a waste of time isn't it whereas if you can follow it through to the end um and and maybe there's part of that idea that sticks actually you end up actioning then you know then that's all the better it might not be the whole idea that that is formulated that is a success in itself but it might trigger other thoughts it might trigger other ideas that then are workable um so just yeah hanging on in there with some of that kind of creative process and coming back to reinforcing that 
space that you need to come back to things as well so it's not that you're going to come up with a new idea in your first sitting as it were um these things take time to percolate absolutely and i think you hinted at something earlier which i, I think i'd summarize saying don't discount things and it's almost go broad isn't it it's, it's give you you know don't just say oh but that's a silly idea it's almost as you say imagine what if we often use that phrase if you could wave a magic wand and every, anything was possible what would you do and that's a nice perhaps way to broaden out and think about you know then be then get really really wacky and creative yeah the magic question exactly exactly it and it just opens up like as we said before you know the the, the realms of possibility yeah very very good um what other suggestions would we have for people, Kerry? So we've, we've talked about some ideas. We've said go broad. We've said don't limit yourself. We've said interact with others. We say free your free some space. What else? I think sometimes it's helpful to have a focus. Um, if there's a particular issue that you're, maybe it's a problem you're trying to solve, having a focus so it gives you some parameters in which you're working. Because otherwise, you know, if you just say, well, sit in a sit in a room and, and be creative, where do you start? You know, what are you trying to actually achieve? So having a goal, having a focus can support some of that thinking and, and it can keep you it can keep you on track to actually achieve something as a result of it. Um, and I think that's ultimately the, the aim, isn't it? It's not just, you know, trying to be creative for creative sake. Actually, you want to make a difference in the new idea. I think, I think that's really important. And Kerry, thinking of your interviews point and almost stories you want to be able to tell in the interview, you're right. I think it must be, I think our advice to our listeners must be, be creative, go broad, be wacky. But then actually having some stories where they can say, well, that's what I did. But then we boiled it down as a team to something quite specific as an outcome. And we delivered it or we came up with a prototype or something like that. Or we came up with, you know, a project or a presentation or an idea based on that. Yeah, I think that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Hooking it back to what you actually achieved as a result of the, the, the conversation that you had of that idea generation, I think is is key. Some good tips there, I think. <laughs> OK, well, that's been great to uh, great to explore that, um, Kerry. So hopefully, hopefully you found some of those tips and ideas around creativity um, useful, everyone, and practical. I look forward to the next episode. Thanks, Nigel.